Vince sitting in here. Today I'm sitting alone. I have a special guest on with me to talk about uh, a new game coming out. It's a very horror-based type game. But uh, David Hill Jr. of Machine Age Productions here. Some people might recognize the name if they are a World of Darkness fan as he has many credits in many of the various uh, books from White Wolf, from Hunter Reckoning all the way up until probably Hunter the Vigil and beyond that. At this point, David probably has a resume that's like two miles long, but uh, welcome <laughs> to the show, David. Hey, how's it going, Vincent? Good. Long time no speak. David has been on various podcasts of mine in the past, and I've always supported David's projects and Machine Age Productions, so he has a new project coming out, uh, a new book he's writing, or is it almost, is it partially done, David, or? Um, it's about it's about a quarter of the way done so far. It'll be. Uh, I'm. I'm finishing it basically this or throughout December and January. It's going to be completed. Awesome. Uh, it's called the Gospel of Sarah. Uh, it has a very, very Da Vinci Code vibe to it, and I know you're trying to hit that on the nail. And looking at the pre-production, I guess the pre-preview that you have out with the six pages, or is it eight pages? Yeah, eight, but that's the cover, so basically six. Yeah, so six to eight pages, it, it really has that old-school Bible, Da Vinci Code, horror, gothic thing going, conspiracy thing. So tell us a little bit about this game, David. Well, it's sort of like um, somewhere between um, like the Da Vinci Code, um, uh, let's see, Umberto Echo, um, that sort of thing, and then um, you take it to the other direction of like, Hellraiser. Uh, it's that it's a psychological horror. So it's like if the Da Vinci Code met Silence of the Lambs, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's um, it's sort of inspired. Like the mythology of the game is inspired by an apocryphal book from the the Bible um, called the Book of Tobit. And basically, my story um, takes that and turns it on its head and says that the Book of Tobit was sort of like propaganda because this human woman Sarah seduced an archangel and the church didn't want that to, to happen like so they didn't want to admit that that happened so they rewrote the story and basically said oh no she ended up a good wife and everything is perfectly fine you know nothing to see here folks <laughs> yeah right. um and so sarah found um she seduced an archangel um and he got angry and basically stopped helping her so she ended up with um one of the princes of hell asmodeus um, and she found this like world of pure pleasure and pain, uh, and she basically um, is trying to entice people to uh, indulge in their darkest desires. So she spreads these um, the, the sort of like puzzles and challenges through the world, and people know whenever they encounter these things. So like you might pick up like you know a crossword or something, and it's just you. Whenever you do it, you know if you do this in the right way, you will have everything you've ever wanted things will be perfect and you do the crossword it doesn't it does nothing happens but you know maybe i just did it wrong maybe there's something and so you keep doing it and keep doing it and it starts to slowly drive you mad um and 
eventually, if you find out how to do it, you come to realize that what you really want is punishment. Like you've been so desensitized by your desires that nothing works anymore. Um, so then you are, then you are um, basically harried by demons who want to drag you off into another world. And you sort of have to, to reconcile wanting to go with them or trying to be their agent and tempt the others to, to go and to, to sacrifice them. Awesome. Um, so what can we, what type of system is based, is this based on a D, I think I read D100 system, I believe. Actually, no, it's, no? um, it, it's, um, a difficulty with this one because I, I like to call it a diceless system, but it does use two six dice, but the, it's, um, they're barely used and they're not actually using task resolution. They're used to move your character on, um, you're on a board because your character sheet is a board. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of weird. Um, but the, most of the, the task resolution, the actual things that happen in the game fiction, um, they're, they're diceless. Um, and it's all about basically like, narrative agreements so like if you do something um it I'm trying to think of a good corollary if anyone uh, have, you, have you did you ever play or read wraith right uh yeah. yeah okay so it's like if you had a persistent shadow guide mm -hmm. um and instead of them like having points to send and stuff basically the other players are going to step in and they're going to be like can i do something to this scene and if you say no, basically you're not going to be able to progress through the story. Like you're not going to be able to progress through your character's journey. But if they say yes, they've got like all kinds of weird things that they can do to screw with your 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 path. <laughs> so it might be like, okay, um, I'm having an argument with my father. That's this scene. We have this argument and everything's going, you know, as as planned. And I'm getting what I want and blah blah blah. Um, but I know that. He, he was abusive, so he's going to beat me if um, if I don't get what I want in this scene. Um, I need to do something in order to overcome this. So the, and so one of the other players is like, all right, can I add a subtext to this scene? And you as a player, you can be like, okay, well, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, do that, do that. Add a subtext to the scene. And so the other player uh, is they're trying to corrupt this scene and just make it terrible. So the other player might be like, Let's see. Sexually charged. <laughs> oh, jeez. And so you're like, dude, I, ha I have to do a sexually charged scene with my father. And they're like, yep, you asked for it. Um, and at that point, you can opt out. Mm -hmm. um, and you can say, screw this, guys. I that's not happening. Um, or you can run with it and you can shift the scene to make it work. If you shift the scene to make it work, you end up getting what you want. You progress down your path, you move on the board, and you get closer to opening, opening that puzzle. If you don't, basically there are consequences. Um, so it's all about like giving up control and just letting terrible things happen. Huh. Interesting. So it's kind of mostly is a sit-around, uh, tell-story, storyteller-type system when you throw it back and forth and the person tries to pretty much screw you and you try to get out of the situation to move forward is what you basically said. Yeah. It's a lot of, um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of like, um, Oh, like, like improv game type thing. Um, there's a lot of different things that the players can do. Like there's a lot of different, um, sort of mechanics and they all center on, uh, giving different amounts and different types of control to the other players. Like it might be that, um, 
if, if like another player might step in if the scene goes badly say like you're in a scene where, where you know things just hit the fan your character murders her wife one of the other players might be like can i turn that into an alter ego scene and you're like um okay yeah you know i want that point so what that happens then is they say all right so what happened your character didn't kill her wife but she thought about it and it, it is eating her inside and she keeps seeing this over and over she really wants to make this happen but she's been resisting it and this is what's eating her inside oh. uh, and so like there, there's like that psychological aspect but basically the whole idea is that you have to be willing to give that up i figure what horror really is is temporarily like losing control and then in the theater that's easy to do because you go in you're like, you aren't in control. The, the director filmed this thing, and it's going to go the way it's going to go, and you're just along for the ride. In a role-playing game, you can't really do that because you're supposed to be in control. Right. Yeah, so this is, this is a way to give up that control temporarily. Now, David, is there an impartial person like a GM or, or a storyteller, or everybody's on equal grounds? Everyone is on equal grounds. So the thing that it's sort of like a free market of narrative. Uh, oh. If you screw someone, the, uh, the the protection against that is that they will get back at you. Oh, if yeah. you do something that is completely like out of line, then you will have other players who will be able to intervene and do the same thing. Um, also, you have the option to opt out at any time. You have certain points that you could like. You have basically tokens, and you spend one of those tokens, and you're like, ah, "I'm withdrawing. That's not happening. This is a little disgusting." <laughs> um, and so you can do that, but basically, like that that's that's your limited resource like that's something that you you only have a certain amount of times that you can do that and you really want to save those for when it matters they're kind of like plot points to get or drama points to you know to make things bend your way or get out of situations then okay exactly they're they're basically um they're they're basically safe words for the scene now would you would you compare this game to games like don't rest your head or something because it kind of reminds me of that game a little bit yeah, it's got um, it's got little shades of "Don't Rest Your Head." It's got shades of um, like Jared Sorensen's "Lacuna," oh, uh, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, it definitely has that kind of vibe. And how many people can sit on the table and play this? As many as you want, or is there a minimum or a maximum? Um, there's no upward limit, really. Um, like I would say that probably it would start to get weird around seven or eight, just because it would take too long to, and you you would. Um, it would be hard for everyone to get interacting, but that's going to be the case with any RPG, basically. Like, once sure. you get a lot of players, it just bogs down. You can play it with two players. Um, in fact, that's, like, one of the ideal situations. Um, it's it's definitely good for, like, a couple or a couple players who are, like, you know, very familiar with each other. Um, since, it, you know, there's, there's a little trust going on there, but you can play it with between, I'd say two and six was the, the ideal. All right, and you said you, now your character sheet's a board that you're progressing along from the start to, I guess, to finish to solve the puzzle. You said, yeah, um, it's like, okay, so there's uh, I, most people are familiar with backgammon. Yeah, um, it's a really common game. Um, the game that it came from is literally the oldest game that we we know exists in humankind. Um, it's called the Royal Game of Ur. Um, it was played in ancient Sumer. Mm -hmm. um, and so this old Sumerian game, it's the, the oldest game that we know. Um, this is the board for Gospel of Sarah. I've, I've modified it just a little bit in order to fit our game mechanics. Um, but basically, what it, it, it kind of looks like um, 
kind of looks like a lowercase i. You just sort of like go up one side of it, and then you go in, and then there's like a circle at the top, and then you go back down the outside. Uh, so it looks like a lowercase i. And when you're on the bottom part, basically that represents reality. That represents like rational thought. And then once you get up into the top part, that represents like the labyrinth of your mind. That is the depths of madness. That is when your perceptions are warped and reality is strange. And so what you got to do is you go up, you, you, you walk the labyrinth, you step into this other world that you don't understand. And then you walk out. And with that knowledge and with that experience, you're able to open the puzzle. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, and I'm sorry, David. Go ahead. Oh, no worries. But basically, yeah, when when, when you open the puzzle, um, it's not the end of the game. Uh, it's like basically the end of like an act because um, you get to make a choice. Whenever 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 you open the puzzle, you're gonna basically like draw a slip of paper. Uh, out of out of a bag, and the slips of paper uh, are everyone around the table. All the characters, their their character name is on the piece of paper, and then their character's like deepest, darkest, most guilty desire. Uh, and then there's a fate. Like basically, if a fortune cookie told you you were gonna die, that that's the fate. Ooh. And if you draw your own, that's cool. Like your character gets the desire. Like if you're like, okay, I want to bury myself in a pile of cocaine, <laughs> the the puzzle. The puzzle gives you that. It lets you indulge in this terrible, dark thing that is dangerous, but your character just wants it. If you pull someone else's, you don't get that. But what you get is a choice. Your character can either take the dark fate, your character can die, whatever terrible death it is. Maybe the player said, you're going to fall in a puddle, and there's going to be fish. And not piranhas, just fish. And they're going to slowly eat you alive. Ooh. Well, that's terrible. I don't really want to do that. What's my other choice? Well, on that slip of paper, you've got the, the character name for the other character, who, and you have their deepest, darkest desire. So if you choose to resist the demons that are going to tear you apart, you have to tempt the other player into indulging that desire and giving in to the puzzle. Hmm. It's a real feel-good game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> Wow, uh, and this game? How I mean, how how long is the average game? Have you played this for that it lasts three or four hours, maybe? Or um, it depends on the players, really. It depends like how many of them. Um, a two-player game is probably closer to a two to three-hour game. Um, a four to five-hour game is probably what you can expect from an average size of four to five type style. Um, and it it also depends on how far you want to go because we can um we allow for like ensemble play. So if your character dies, like if you get torn to shreds or whatever. You can step in with a new character. Um, like you are able to do that. There's actually rules for quickly throwing a new character into play. Um, so you can even make it, like it. It's good for persistent play too. Now, does now for the characters? Is there any real design to the characters, or they're just the the sheet, and that's pretty much it? You are defined by your desire, right? Um, and and so the the way that it works is you're defined by your desire. Um, that is that is most of character creation, and you are all well. You're defined by that and how you are tied to the opening scene. It's like the first thing that you do in the game, the, the outset of it, the players are basically setting up a terrible death, um, where it's not any of your characters. It's someone that all of your characters are somehow tied to, um, and it's like in most horror movies and most like crime TV shows. At the beginning of the show, the first couple minutes, they show you someone dying terribly of this thing. All right, so David, so take me through uh, 
the beginning of the game, setting it up, making a character, and we'll, we'll continue from there. Um, so basically what you do, um, if, you, if you've ever seen like a, like any crime fiction, um, you watch your CSI, uh, Law and Order, that sort of thing, or even like Supernatural, um, the first thing that they do is they, they show you a victim. Yeah. Um, they show you a situation where a victim dies of the, or, you know, is victimized, whatever, by the, by the culprit or by the thing. Um, and that's what we do to make our characters at the beginning of the Gospel of Sarah. Um, you are going to, as a group, you're going to come up with a scene where someone dies from a puzzle. Um, they are drawn away, they are destroyed, and this sort of sets the stage. So everyone is going to c- contribute little bits to the scene. So you're, you're, you're sort of doing like a campfire story um, where everyone is going to add a little bit and you're going to build this character. You're going to talk a little bit about them. And then you're going to, you're, and you're going to talk about how that character finds the puzzle is frustrated and then ultimately dies. Um, and you're going to use this to frame the, uh, the desires that your characters have. You're going to like pull them or choose them. Um, and that's going to that's going to define your character. And then you're also going to use the scene to um, to attach your character somehow to it. So maybe like, OK, so the camera cuts away. We see a beer bottle and a, a bottle of Valium and the beer bottle is knocked over and spilled on the floor. Um, that beer bottle. My character was a bartender. And last night I was the last person to see her alive. I served her that beer. And the um, and that, player could jump yeah. in and say, "I was the person sitting next to her in the bar and tried hitting on her or something." Exactly, exactly. And everyone, like, you don't have to be like tied close to them, but you have to have touched them in some way. Like, your life has to have meshed with them. Like, maybe you know, you were the crazy street preacher that yelled at her as she was going home or whatever. But everyone has to have had some sort of association so the puzzle can like spread virally to you. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then, like, basically, like, later, if your character dies, you can bring in another character. And what you do is you take the same desire, but you warp it. So, like, if you had a desire for violence, it might be, like, a desire for revenge. I hate my father. Got to kill my father or whatever. If your character dies, you might have a character who's, like, a sociopath and just is a sadist and wants to hurt people. And so that's a new desire for violence. And you're going to basically, like, pull in an archetype. So it might be, like... Okay, uh, I'm going to be like the hard-boiled detective this time. So you pull in the hard-boiled detective, you mesh it with that desire, and you've got a new character. You can jump right into play. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I like it. it's very storytelling-like, and it's very like kind of you could play anywhere at any time, and it's very easy to play as long as you have uh, as long as you have somewhere to put down the board. <laughs> um, you can't like you you would it'd be hard to play standing up basically. Well, yeah, that's true. I, well, you probably could concoct some little mini board thing on a piece of paper to hold in your hand and make make a yeah. check mark on it or something. Or yeah, you could absolutely do that. It would um, you know take a little bit of ingenuity, but yeah, it's it's real easy to get into. Um, it takes a basic familiarity. One person should be at least familiar with the mythology, um, but the system itself, like you can you can just do it on the fly with a group of people be perfect for an in-car game going to say Gen Con. It would be wonderful for that. <laughs> and where could someone read more about the mythology of this? Well, the mythology is going to be um, basically I'm going to be posting that throughout the, the Indiegogo campaign. Um, 
I, because basically as I'm writing it, I'm posting my, my daily progress. Um, and some days I'm going to be doing the, the, the fiction, the gospel. Um, some days I'm going to be doing the game design of it. Sometimes I'm going to be doing layout and art, um, all kinds of stuff. But basically throughout the month, I'm going to be doing more. Um, right now there's, there's two pages of the gospel itself in there. Um, it's got a page of actual like biblical text and then it's got, um, the song of Sarah, which is, um, Sarah praising the demon Smodius and, so you, that's that's the jumping off point. That's the introduction for the book. So building off of that. And uh, so machineageproductions.com is where they can get more information. Yep, yep. And is there a link on there for the Indiegogo? Um, yes, there is. There is, and there will continue to be throughout the month. Every day I'm going to be posting more information. So if you go to machineageproductions.com, you will be buried in a swath of Gospel of Sarah. <laughs> I'll just pull up the website here so we can direct my... People that are listening here. Yeah, it's right there. First thing I see, Gospel of Sarah. Uh, perfect. And then I see the uh, there's some information about you. We could follow you on Twitter, David Hill Jr. Yeah, yeah David yep. Hill Jr. Follow you yeah, on David Facebook. Yeah, David Hill Jr., yeah. Uh, is your wife writing uh, any of this at all, too? or? Yes, actually. She's writing some of the fiction. Um, I basically, I, because it's like, it has like weird, dark sexual undertones. I, I needed a female voice for it. Um, <laughs> otherwise it would just be some dude talking about, you know, creepy, sexy stuff. And that's kind of, just kind of weird. <laughs> creepy in itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I definitely wanted a female voice. Cool. And are we doing anything as machines I done or is that still going on strong? Um, I'm actually doing a second edition of Machine Zite soon. Um, oh. It's going to be a box set, probably. Um, it's going to be a really weird little thing. It's going to be a box set. It's a, like a small um, six by nine card box type thing, and um, it's going to be it's going to be a lot more streamlined, a lot more, a lot simpler. Yeah, I remember you were, you were really pushing that back, and I would want to get a copy of it. I never did get a chance at Gen Con to get a pick it up because yeah. you disappeared on me, and when I went to go find you. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Gen Con is a very hectic time for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't find you or your wife, so I was like, "Damn it!" <sighs> uh, it I basically, I, the, the taken just I I got of it. There was a virus that spread, and half the world just died. And you, they were trying to investigate what happened to them. And I was like, "I want to get in on this." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the um the the some of the world governments built these like space stations at the edge yeah. of the atmosphere in order to quarantine people, and then like now they're haunted. It's it's a very very raw very simple concept, but it, it does it does alien very good. I, I love the quote by the dude. The game machine is so badass. It slowly walks away from an explosion, never looking back. <laughs> I love that quote for the game. Yes, yes. I had to put that there. <laughs> he said it, and I was like, I I've, I've got to quote you. I can't I can't not. Well, great. Uh, how much do you suspect the game might be when it comes out? Um, the gospel. Yeah, the gospel. Um, the gospel is going to actually, it's going to have two forms. Um, it's going to have, um, it's probably going to be 20 and 40. I'm thinking for the two different editions, the, the normal one is like soft cover. Um, it's full color, um, but it's like normal paper stock. And then the, the special edition is a leatherette with a gold stamping, uh, on the cover. Um, kind of like the old book of Nod from White Wolf. And then the inside is going to be like photo quality paper, like heavy, heavy stock. I'm just curious what what exactly is going to be inside the book is mostly mythology and uh the gospel. There's no real rules in there, correct? Well, the rules will be present, but like there I mean it's 
it's sort of like a, a hands-off rule system, um, but it's, it'll be in there. Um, and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fiction, a lot of, um, a lot of setting, a lot of evocative text. Um, the, it, and it, it's, it's not going to just be like full color. It's going to be like a hundred percent full color. It's going to be a lot of visuals. Um, everything is going to be like in character. Um, so it's going to be a lot of like scrawled notes from people going insane, like that sort of thing. It's a lot of like warped, um, text, a lot of warped, um, photos like i'm drawing a lot from like a little bit from like the old clan book malkavian a little bit from like house of leaves um the new white wolf clan books for the new world of darkness uh, like that's a huge inspiration yeah they really weren't uh really big time with those books yeah that's the production level i'm going for here wow yeah and do we can we expect more with the gospel of sarah or is that this core book is going to be pretty much it for now it's hard to say. Um, if the game does well, um, if the crowdfunding campaign does well, I definitely have other ideas for it. Like I, uh, my my first thought would be um, like the um, name of the rose or um, the Scarlet Letter, like doing a um, a historical uh, adaptation where um, we talk about like how, how the gospel surfaced in medieval times or or during you know the the rise of the Puritans or something. Um, I would love to do expansions like that. I could definitely see some novels being written out of this too, because it sounds kind of cool. The backstory. Yeah, I, I'd really like to do one if I get the time. I would love to do it, like a novella or even just a short story collection. You should definitely, definitely hit up Chuck uh, Wendig to get in on this too, because he'd be perfect to help you out with it. The the one that um the, I got, I haven't talked to him at length about it yet, but I want to get wood income from um from White Wolf here uh-huh. from the White Wolf. Answer pool. He um, he did the um, the Testament of Longinus, mm. um, and he did um, he did a lot of really great stuff for White Wolf. But he he has just this this massive knowledge of historical religion, um, and he's just brilliant. I'm, I'm thinking about trying to get him for a short story. Mm. All right, you can cool. And Let's... Chuck is of course a shoe in. I would love to have Chuck work on it. Yeah, I I just for two names always pop up when I see, think of things like this. Chuck and Stu Wilson too. Yeah, I've I've actually worked with Stu a lot. He worked on Machinesite with me. Yeah, um, and of course we've done a lot of white wolf work together. We're actually we're pretty good friends. He's supposed to be coming to the United States in, in about a week or two. Um, I'm really excited because he's going to come right down here. We're going to have drinks. It's going to be awesome. You're going to have drinks with Steve Wilson, the American hero. <laughs> Yes, Steve Wilson, the American hero. Yes, yeah, I love that. I love that nickname. I, if you anyone ref, want to know the reference, that go listen to the Darker Days podcast, and they'll explain that for you. Anyway, <laughs> David, thank you for uh, coming on and explaining this for me, and hopefully, uh, some people will go over to the. Uh, well, let's see what the website URL for Indiegogo is. Uh, oh, I lost the page. Indiegogo dot com, I think, in slash Sarah Gospel Sarah, something like that. I think, yeah, uh, Gospel of Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so go there and uh, pledge all your money to David. No, I'm kidding. Pledge, <laughs> pledge at least a dollar, five dollars. Just help David out, get this game going. It's very promising, and I trust. I mean, these games like this are hard to come by, and when they do come out, it's just like whoa. I mean, think about Don't Rest Your Head. Go look that up. That game has amazing ratings, and it's similar to what this concept is, but this one's better. So. <laughs> oh, no, that's just limited to dreams and screwing with people. This is limited to like 
more and with has mythology behind it and like cool stuff. So this is a really ambitious project. Like we've done a lot of games now. Like this is like our seventh major game, but this is this is like a very experimental, very weird stuff for us. So we I hope it does well because that tells me that the market wants different. It wants like really, really like ambitious, weird things. Well, I definitely I know I I want that so. So all you gotta do now, David, is make a Walking Dead RPG. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you I would use Machine's Eye for Walking Dead. I think that would work, work really well, actually. Actually, that might work really well. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for taking the time, David. I know you have to get going. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, MachineAgeProductions.com, David Hill Jr., thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. <laughs> Roll for initiative.